You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, the lists are out and we'll dive into who the Jets protected, who's off to Seattle, and a wild weekend of moves in the NHL. But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings. You've heard us talk about the leader in daily fantasy sports and how payday comes every day by entering DraftKings contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every game night, and it's super easy to do. And DraftKings has pitted over $7 billion to users across all sports, including the basketball playoffs, which are still going on right now, and hockey in just a couple months' time. Football as well is right around the corner. How about that? DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. So after weeks of speculation, it was finally revealed who made the cut on the Winnipeg Jets protected list and who's got a suitcase packed on their way out to Seattle later on, potentially Wednesday night. Now, this is a good news, bad news situation here. Bad news is that barring an unexpected side deal, the Jets are going to lose either Mason Appleton or Dylan DeMello for nothing. You might say, well, what's the good news in that? The good news is we can finally stop debating DeMello versus Stanley. It's over. It's done with. Now, Now that Wednesday's almost here, we can finally give it a rest because I'm sick of it. I'm sure a lot of people are sick of it, so good news here. If you're like me and you don't want to talk about it anymore, it's not going to happen in today's episode, so some more good news your way there. I, I just feel like everyone's entrenched in their opinion, whether you're on the Stanley or DeMello side of the fence, and it's just been rehashed so many times, I don't think it's worth getting into here. Now, I mentioned in last week's episode that personally, I would protect DeMello over Stanley, but that I expected the Jets to protect Big Stan, and that's obviously what ended up happening. 
The main reason being that I think the Jets feel like they've invested too much time, too much effort, too much development into Logan Stanley that losing him for nothing is just something they don't want to deal with. It would be a crappy way to, you know, draft and develop and then have that player be lost for nothing. And I, I get that to an extent, you know, not enough to protect him over DeMello, in my opinion, but I understand the human aspect that I assume they wrestled with in this decision. What What is interesting, though, is that I think this move revealed a window into what the Jets are planning this offseason and what the team might look like heading into next year. By exposing DeMello, to me what the Jets are saying most, even more so than that they like Stanley over him, is that they feel like he's either not good enough or the right fit to play with Josh Morrissey. If the Jets felt like DeMello was that guy and that he was Josh Morrissey's partner going into next year, then they would have kept him. Simple as that, they would have kept him because he's too valuable to the team. And in theory, it would make the offseason a lot easier too on top of it because, you know, you're just searching for a top four defenseman, a lefty, to play beside Neil Pionk. But the Jets obviously don't feel that way. And I felt like ever since that season-ending press conference I've mentioned a few times here that the Jets made it pretty clear they feel like they need to prioritize the right partner for Josh Morrissey. I think Paul Maurice said those exact words. And you wouldn't say something like that if the guy was in your organization. Thus, the team thinking that Dylan DeMello was just not going to be that guy. Now, if Seattle doesn't take him, what does that mean for his future here in Winnipeg? Because that might be a little awkward at this point. I mean, there's two possible scenarios here. One is, you know, maybe most simply, the Jets trade him. You know, knowing that an outside addition would be coming in with a big cap hit and would replace him in the top four. You trade him, you get some assets in the process, and you free up a little bit of cap space. The second option would be that he becomes the best third-pair defenseman in the NHL. I, I just don't envision a scenario that sees DeMello starting next season beside Josh Morrissey. So I anticipate either a trade or maybe, ironically enough in all this, after all this debate, we could very well see Stanley DeMello be this team's third pair next season. You have to admit, that would be pretty damn funny at this point. If, if that's what happens, if that's what's on the ice next year, Stanley DeMello, I don't know. I, I don't anticipate that being the case, but there is a little bit of humor in that for me. Um, but one quick thing I do want to get to before we move on to the forward core. Even though I said that I would protect DeMello over Stanley, I would agree that if the Jets plan on making a big splash and acquiring, let's call it a high-profile right-shot defenseman, that exposing DeMello for salary cap purposes at that point would make sense. I could understand in that scenario where you bring somebody in that's making five, six, seven, maybe more, you know, a Hamilton or a Jones, that shedding DeMello's $3 million cap hit is more palatable than losing, you know, Logan Stanley's cheap $900,000-ish contract because you would have DeMello's replacement coming in. There isn't the necessity or the need to have Dylan DeMello on the roster. We'll see, though, if that ends up being the case, but I do kind of sense, you know, trying to read the tea leaves that that's how I envision the Winnipeg Jets offseason going, is that they feel like there's somebody out there that they can or are hoping to acquire to fill that spot beside Josh Morrissey, and it's not going to be Dylan DeMello. Up front, no real surprises with Mason Appleton being exposed. 
I, I guess other than whether or not a, a trade of Andrew Cobb was going to take place. I don't, I don't know if it got all that close. It didn't sound like Andrew Cobb's name was up for grabs uh, heading into the Saturday deadline. I know the immediate reaction was that, hey, Cobb's here to stay. You know, whether it's a one-year deal or, or a long-term contract, you know, Andrew Cobb's going to be a Winnipeg Jet next season. I say not so fast. I don't, I don't know if that's the case yet. He could be, but I don't think we can put that in stone because, you know, it may depend on if Appleton or DeMello is the pick, but I think there's still a decent chance we see the Jets trade Andrew Cobb this offseason especially if he's only willing to sign a one-year contract. Because once Wednesday night rolls by, teams no longer, obviously, have to worry about losing a player that they acquired via trade. So I imagine that, I mean, it opens up the bidding to a lot more teams in the process if the Jets want to go that route. And then maybe even some teams that were interested earlier on, they know that now they can make the move because he's going to be on their roster to stay and they don't have to expose a different player and potentially lose somebody that the team was hoping to have next season. So I think Andrew Cobb's future here in Winnipeg is certainly still up in the air. I do wonder that if, you know, Mason Appleton is not picked and he is on the Jets roster, if that makes moving him a little bit easier, or if Mason Appleton is selected, maybe if you're Kevin Chevalier, you just bite the bullet on on whatever may happen. And you know what? Hey, we'll sign Cobb to a, a one-year deal if that's what he wants anyways. And you've got your forward core relatively set for next season. Plus, I mean, you know, if, if Seattle took Mason Appleton and the Jets traded Andrew Cobb after that, you have to fill two more holes up front, as well as whatever else you want to do on the blue line there. So there's there's just so much stuff that's still up in the air here. Not to mention, you know, if a team loses an impact forward that maybe they were hoping to somehow sneak past Seattle, maybe they become a little more desperate and up the ante in an Andrew Cobb trade, right? So it's it's tough to get a, a real sense on where things lie right now. I might still lean towards, though, that if Andrew Cobb is only willing to sign a one-year deal, we do see the Winnipeg Jets ultimately move him at some point this offseason, maybe before the NHL entry draft after the expansion draft. But let's get to the big decision right now, because that's all that really is left up for debate is who is Seattle going to take now that they know essentially their choice with Winnipeg is either Mason Appleton or Dylan DeMello. You guys know that I thought leading up to this that whether it was DeMello or Stanley being exposed on the back end, that Mason Appleton was going to be the pick no matter what. Seattle, in, in, you know, in my opinion, was going to take Appleton because of the cheap contract, making 900000 you know, still young in his mid-20s, and the fact that he was a likely second-line player for them. Because there just didn't seem to be that many talented, high-end offensive players available. Now that the lists have come out, and we've seen some of the names that are up for grabs, I'm not so sure. And honestly, it might just be a coin flip, 50-50 at this point, who gets selected between Appleton and DeMello. And it might come down to any side deals that Seattle has with some of these other teams about who is potentially going to be selected. And that's mainly because... The forward group that's available looks much deeper than anticipated. And the D that are available, especially on the right side, is a little underwhelming that we thought might end up happening. With names like Tarasenko and Domi and Gord, Voracek, McCann, Eberly, and a few others, you know, there's suddenly a surplus of talented, high-skill players forwards on the market. 
Now, the Kraken aren't going to take them all, but certainly a couple of those could be in play that maybe we hadn't anticipated, and that might push Mason Appleton out of the mix for them. You know, on the blue line, there's a chance that Dylan DeMello could be Seattle's top right-handed defenseman. I mean, Troy Stetcher is likely the pick out of Detroit, but other than that, there's not a lot out there on the right side, so I don't know anymore. And I think if you force me into deciding right now, I might lean towards DeMello being the pick. But it's a toss-up for me at this point. I, I don't know if Ron Francis is feeling the same way, but I know, checking out different Seattle articles and, and such, it sounds like this is one of the tougher decisions that Kraken fans are trying to make, as well as the management group. So, interesting times, and at the very least, we'll, we'll finally get some clarity on all this later on in the middle of the week. Now, before we wrap things up here, let's take a quick look at the Central Division teams, who they left exposed, and how that could potentially alter and switch up the Central Division standings for next season. Now, maybe the big stunner in the NHL outside of Carey Price being exposed might have been St. Louis, just straight up exposing Vladimir Tarasenko, not trading him, and potentially losing a former 40-goal scorer for absolutely nothing. Now, I mean, I'm fascinated to know that when Ron Francis and, and the rest of the Kraken management group were putting together these, you know, fantasy expansion draft scenarios, if any of them had Vladimir Tarasenko available to be selected from. But, I mean, that's the case right now. And I, I don't know what Seattle does, but I'll tell you what, even with the injury concerns and the cap hit, man, I, I don't know if you're going to find a way to get a talented goal scorer like Vladimir Tarasenko for absolutely nothing. To, to me, it might be too much of a an enticing opportunity to pass up. I, I know if I was running the Kraken that I think Tarasenko would be the pick for me unless St. Louis wanted to, to add a sweetener uh, to maybe select somebody else on their roster so they could keep Tarasenko and then potentially move him down the line. Now, from the Winnipeg point of view, I think as a Jets fan, there's a certain scenario you would love to see unfold here with the Blues and how they could potentially be weakened, you know, I think big time heading into next year. I don't think as a Jet fan, you want Seattle to take Vladimir Tarasenko. Might seem odd, but I'll explain why. I think if you're a Jet fan, you want to see Seattle pick Vince Dunn off the roster. Because it seems like things have gone past the point of no return with Tarasenko. It just seems like the relationship is fractured beyond repair, and I don't see a scenario that has Vladimir Tarasenko with St. Louis heading into Game 1 next season. So I think a trade is inevitable at this point. That makes the dream scenario where the Blues lose a talented, young blue liner that had a bit of an up-and-down season, but somebody still with a ton of potential. They lose him for nothing, and then Tarasenko is traded, you know, let's just say a couple of days later, for pennies on the dollar, and the Blues all of a sudden are out, you know, two impact pieces that they were expecting to have next year, and they don't get a whole lot in return for that. I mean, that to me is the dream scenario from the Jets' perspective. We'll see if ultimately that's how things play out. I think Seattle might lean towards taking Vladimir Tarasenko, though, which would obviously put a pretty big wrench into the plans that I just created there. Other than that, though, I mean, there's only one other team that, you know, could potentially be affected in a major way going into next season. We'll save them for last. But the rest of the teams in the Central look like, you know, things are pretty much status quo. 
Dallas got a big break with Ben Bishop waving his no move clause, so he's going to be exposed, but that allows the Dallas Stars to protect Anton Hudobin. And, and even if they lose Ben Bishop, it might be a blessing in disguise for them because they have, you know, Bishop's replacement in the wings there with Jake Ottinger. And that move would free up some cap space for Dallas to make a big splash in either uh, the free agent market or the trade market. So I don't I don't think Seattle takes Ben Bishop. But either way, Dallas isn't really going to lose anybody of significance. I mean, maybe Julius Honka, like maybe a reclamation project at that point for Seattle might be the pick there. But Dallas is going to keep, you know, the majority of their roster in check. Uh, pretty much the same with the Avalanche too, although they had to make the trade with Ryan Graves to get to that point. So it still cost the Avs a quality defender. Maybe Giannis Donskoy is going to be the pick. Um, from the Kraken over the Avalanche, so you lose a you know a productive third liner. To be fair, but at the same time, Colorado. I mean, hey, from a Jets perspective, you would love to see Gabriel Landeskog be the pick because that means you know he's signing a deal with Seattle, and the Avs are without you know a top line player and their captain and somebody that brings a, a skill but a physical nasty element to the game as well. So I, Winnipeg fans definitely want to hear in a shocker Gabriel Landeskog's name as the one chosen by Seattle there, but I don't anticipate that being the case in Colorado. You know, either way, it looks to lose either Jonas Donskoy or JT Comfer. Either way, somebody that I think the Avalanche feel like they could replace in-house with some of the, you know, pretty impressive drafting they've done over the past couple of seasons. Now that Parisi and Suter are out in Minnesota, I mean, the Wilds' decision was pretty easy. They're allowed to keep Matt Dumba. That leaves Carson Soucy and maybe in a bit of a surprise, Capo Kakinen, uh, the Wilds' backup goalie this past season, up for grabs. Kakinen actually won AHL Goalie of the Year two years ago, so maybe that's where they might lean towards. It sounds like Chris Dreger, that deal is, is basically done. So, you know, if you want to save some money in net and go a little cheap there, maybe Capo Kakinen is going to be the pick from the Minnesota Wild. Chicago. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot there to begin with, honestly. I, I mean, maybe Calvin DeHaan is the pick there. Might be a bit of a loss for for Chicago, but he's dealt with a, a decent amount of injuries these past couple of years and has a not, a, not a big cap hit, but, you know, over $3 million. So either way, might open up a little bit of space for Chicago to work with there. Maybe that's the pick that Seattle makes there. The final team, though, and the one that actually made the biggest move over the weekend, an actual trade, uh, but the Nashville Predators pulling off a stunner, sending Ryan Ellis to the Philadelphia Flyers for Philippe Myers, and then Nolan Patrick, the Winnipegger, spends about five seconds in Nashville before he's flipped for another Winnipegger. Nolan Patrick heads to Vegas. Cody Glass goes over to Nashville. I mean, first, just taking a look at the trade, I'll tell you what, as a Flyers fan, I'm jacked as hell for this one. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm shocked at the price. I mean, you're talking about a, a top pair right-handed defenseman signed for a pretty reasonable cap hit, only just over 6 mil. Now, it goes in until he's 36, but the cap hit itself isn't all that bad. I would have thought that, you know, a first-round pick added on top of it, and then some other pieces would have been the return that Nashville acquired for that. But I, I just thought it was pretty underwhelming from the Predators' perspective here. I mean, Philippe Myers is, a, I think, probably best suited as a number four defenseman. And Nolan Patrick, unfortunately, just, you know, with health and, and everything else, 
hasn't gotten anywhere close to fulfilling his promise as the number two overall pick a couple of seasons ago. We'll see what other moves Nashville has in store, but to me, the Predators got significantly worse on ice going into next season, but maybe it's the sign of a rebuild and and a different direction for the Predators, but that obviously depends on some of the moves that are going to be made, including the expansion draft, because Nashville did, after the Ryan Ellis trade, then expose both Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, a couple of $8 million players, to protect Tanner Janot. I didn't even know who Tanner Janot was, to be honest, before the expansion list came out. But obviously, Nashville would love to get rid of one of those $8 million headaches up front. I would be beyond shocked to see Seattle take either one of those guys. I mean, it just, you know, maybe Matt Duchesne, I guess, would be the one guy you might lean towards potentially, you know, refinding his his magic and his offensive spark. But I'm not going to take that risk at $8 million. So obviously, from the Jets' perspective, you want to see both of those guys remain in Nashville. And, you know, I think we see Seattle ultimately take uh, a guy like Callie Yarncroke, for example. Uh, that, that seems to be the right move. Just, I mean, cap reasons alone, I don't know why you would take the risk, the insane risk of a Duchesne or a Johansson, barring Nashville adding, you know, a first-round pick and then some on top of it. I just don't see that happening. I I don't think Nashville's going to do it. And to be honest, I don't think we see any team do it. Even with the talent that's out there and up for grabs, I don't know if we see a team give up a first-round pick to ensure that Seattle selects a specific player. I certainly don't see it in Nashville's case, though, which would obviously help the Winnipeg Jets' chances of, you know, finishing a little bit higher in the Central Division standings for next season. One way or another, though, we're going to get all the answers on Wednesday night, it'll be a super, super exciting night. And the cool part, too, is that, you know what? All that's going to happen on Wednesday. We might see some action on Thursday. And we might have a couple moves to talk about for the Jets and the rest of the NHL before we get back to our next episode on Friday. So, again, make sure you tune into that one. Next episode coming up for you guys on Friday. We'll get into who the Jets lost what the ramifications are of that and what could potentially be on the horizon as the offseason continues, plus another great food interview coming your guys' way as well. But thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're back on Friday. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace.